Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. What's um, up? Booyakasha. Boo, booyakasha. <laughs> and we're done. Well, that's it for the it, episode? That's, yep. Um, See you guys later. You hear that thunder up there, Kyle? Yes, I do. Thor. It sounds like somebody's dragging chairs across the kitchen floor. And, that, and there it is again, which means it's a lot of chairs. How many chairs you guys got up there? It's... I don't know, man. Not that many. It's an army of chairs. Way too, yeah, okay. Having a, somebody's got to arrange this army of chairs into formation. I can't hear a damn thing through these microphones, or headphones, rather. Hold on. Really? Talk. Hello. How you doing? Maybe it's your volume. Okay. Is there it my we go. volume? And we're back. Welcome, everyone, to the Two Tongues Podcast. How y'all doing? How y'all doing out there? How y'all doing? So, what's up, man? What is up? I had my buddy Josh over yesterday. Jay Hams. Jay Hams. Uh, we did another podcast, which will I'll be releasing on Wednesday. It's a short one. It's a fun conversation. It was just a very natural conversation. It wasn't wasn't prepared or thought out. It was just uh, we had an opportunity. He drove up here, you know, two and a half hours to do it. So hell yeah. We did a little exploration. I showed him uh, the software we use for the podcast and the mixer we use, and showed him around because he's real serious about starting his own. So. We talked about that when he was on the podcast last time, which was like six months ago or something like that. But yeah, speaking of which, we're coming up on a year of the Two Tongues podcast. Can you believe that? Kind of, yeah. Coming up. February, I think. February. It's almost Christmas. Yeah. Kinda. I mean, not, not really, but if you go to this, if you go shopping, you would think it's almost Christmas. Yeah, I mean, we're rolling up on it for sure. People have their Christmas lights out. It's not even Thanksgiving yet. We're seasoned podcast veterans at this point. Yeah, pretty much. Old salty dogs. I wonder how, how long the average podcast lasts before it pulls the plug. That's a good question. Google? Oh, I don't have that technology? Okay, damn. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so Josh was here. Um, I, uh, a couple things, man. The weird thing dawned on me first thing this morning when I woke up. I woke up because I had to pee because I'm an old man now and that happens to me. Yeah, um, me too. I can't tell if it's like I'm, I'm waking up because I have to pee or if it's like I'm waking up because I've programmed myself over the last 30 plus years to wake up at this time. And I just course, and I just, the first thing that I realize when I open up my oh, eyes yeah. is, hey, you got to pee, man. Yeah, that's so a good Could be that inquiry. <laughs> I, uh, I do think it's interesting that, you know, when I was young, I would sleep in, man. I would fucking sleep, sleep in, you know? Uh, I know you know, Mr. <laughs> sleep in the fucking basement uh, with no windows. Uh, but now I can't fucking sleep in. Like I was off today and I woke up at the exact same time that I always wake exactly. up. Exactly. 
And you should have just called me and said, "Look, I know it's eight o'clock, but I'm coming over now. We're gonna get the <laughs> podcast get going." Done. All right, I'll do that. Because look, man, I was awake too. All right, fuck it. We'll, we'll start doing <laughs> early morning podcasts. Yeah, it's fine why not? With me, why not? All right, next week, first thing in the morning. So, um, so Josh comes over. Yeah, I made the trip up. Um, and it's like I have hanging out with a different person for the first time in a very long time because of COVID. So it's like a new face, new thoughts, new ideas, um, and all that stuff is stimulating, to, like to your subconscious. Like you don't realize how much thinking you do, and when you're in new situations and you're around new people, especially when you get so into a, such a, a, a routine, and when you have kids and you're growing up, it's all about routine, man. So Josh comes over, and uh, he leaves. I wake up in the morning, and I'm like. Th- I'm thinking about stuff that happened yesterday and conversations that we had. And it's like running through my head as though at 100 miles an hour, as though when I woke up, it had been happening all night. I got the distinct impression that while I I was sleeping and my brain is like processing all the subconscious shit from that day, that it was just running through trying to make sense of everything that was said and all the shit that happened. And uh, when I came, when my consciousness came back to me and I opened up my eyes, it was still happening. So I woke up to a sprint of thoughts about what, what happened yesterday. It doesn't sound restful. It, it, yeah, man. And it, I got mixed feelings about it. It's like, I know it's good. You know, new experiences, new thoughts are good. You got to shake things up. You do got to shake things up. Um, but it, 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 it's a lot of work, man. And I never realized how much work it is until this morning. Shaking things up? Yeah. It is a lot of work. And, and it makes me think of when I met Mejdi. Yeah. I talked about him on the podcast the other day. When I met Mejdi, I remember going down the street, meeting him. You know, this guy, he's an Arab guy, he, you know, from Jordan. His culture is there in the living room in middle America. And I opened up the door to like this, just this like amusement park of new newness. Everything was new. The food, the, you know. The coffee. The, the coffee, man. The coffee. <laughs> absolutely. Um you know, I don't have to tell you, but the audience may not know. Hookahs. I'm talking about hookah smoking. I'm talking about that... Nargila. From the Nargila. I'm, I'm talking about that, that awesome tea. Whenever, whenever you go to an Arab guy's house, there will be tea. The tea is coming. You don't have to ask for it. It's coming. Or, or coffee out of those demitas, those little demitas cups. Yeah, man. Strong Turkish coffee. That fucking good-ass Ethiopian restaurant on, oh. on Maine. Yes. Hell yeah. La La Bella. Hell yeah. Yes. But so I bring that up because same situation. And I remember, I was a younger man, but I remember going home and all I was thinking about was all that shit that was new. That I, and I was like exciting to me because I like that kind of stuff. And it was all new. And like I couldn't stop talking about it. Like word vomit kept coming up because it was all these new ideas and thoughts and I needed to make sense of it. And I remember it being kind of intense and feeling like a little ashamed like... Why are you so obsessed with him, man? Shut up. Stop mm-hmm. Stop thinking about Mejdi, man. Stop and, uh, thinking about Mejdi. <laughs> I had like a crush on Mejdi. I, like, I, got, I had a crush on, on, yeah, crush on Mejdi, I guess. Um, but I remember that, and then that, that story I was telling you about waking up this morning and my mind going a million miles an hour, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. And, and it's like, as like that was, I met Mejdi, like, how long ago was that? A long time ago. It was t- a d- 10 years plus, right? So I'm, t- I'm 10 years plus older. And I had a similar experience, let's say. Maybe even a, a much less intense one, because I know Josh really well. We grew up together. And uh, it, it was harder on me as a, as a you know, 
30-something-year-old 30, 30 man than it was as a 20-something-year-old man. Yeah. It's like more work. I'm, a, I'm much more tired by it. I'm like so exhausted by it, you know? All this thinking. <laughs> All this thinking. Uh, but it's good. Yeah, that is good. That was the first thought I had. Cool. Your turn. Um, I'm excited to uh, listen to the podcast that you and Josh did together. That'll be fun. Yep. Wednesday. Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Hell yeah. Be, uh, be awake and be ready. I will be awake. Be there or be square. Is that what they say? Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I don't. I don't really have any uh, anything to say like that. I didn't talk. I didn't talk to anyone <laughs> interesting this week. Um, that's a nice shirt you're wearing. Yeah, man, I'm glad you said that. Um, I, that was one of the topics I wanted to talk to you about. Your for, shirt. I'm, my shirt. Actually, not this. <laughs> not this shirt, but it's tied. It's tied together. Okay. All right. So listen. That's so weird. As I get older. I start to appreciate quality. Yeah. It's like when I was a kid, it was much more about diversity. So if I was concerned about fashion, I wanted to have a lot of different choices. I wanted, it was like showy. It was showy. And as I get older, all that showiness, like the desire for the showiness is gone, man. Like I still have a sense of style. I still have a sense of, I think I have good, relatively good taste. Um, but it's not like it used to be, man. Because it used to be about it used to be about peacocking. It was, it, was, it was like a ritual that I was going through to try to attract women and try to gain status in the hierarchy, like of men. Yeah. It, it was part of the front that I was putting. I was my persona. Yeah. But I don't give a shit about that anymore because I'm grown up, because I'm married and have kids, and I'm not looking for nothing from nobody. So now I don't care so much about it, and it's like I'd rather spend more money and instead of getting three shirts, get one really good shirt. Fucking... Hell yeah. Hell One yeah. Dope ass shirt. Dope ass shirt. So I'm going to tell you, <laughs> I found a place that has the dopest shit. What place? L.L. Bean, bro. L.L. Bean, bro. L.L. Bean, listen. You're like, a, you're turning into a lesbian. I'm, yeah. I'm ta- I've, been, I've been a lesbian, <laughs> You've man. You've been a lesbian. Been a lesbian. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, no, L.L. Bean does have nice shit for sure. Do you, do you remember there was a podcast about this? It was, a, it was well. It was one of those NPR podcasts. I can't oh. remember. Maybe it was This American Life or something. And the story was about not about LL Bean exactly, but about them changing their return policy. Because oh. so the thing about LL Bean is they they're like an outfitter uh, in their like a United States company, I think, out of Maine, and they've been around for like 150 years. They've been making clothes for a long time, and they've always had a return policy that nobody else could ever match. And it basically said. Our, our stuff is so good. We're, we're bringing you the most quality stuff that is possible. So if you buy a pair of boots from us, if you, buy, if you buy a shirt from us, if you buy a belt from us, whatever, and it breaks, bring it back and we'll give you one, another one for free. Damn. There is no time limit in this return policy. It was, if anything ever happens to this ever, under any circumstances, you bring it back to me and Mr. Bean will make it right. Okay. Is it Mr. Bean? I mean, must be. Like Mr. Bean? <laughs> yeah. Lucifer Lawrence Bean, don't you know? <laughs> Lucifer Lawrence. Uh, I think that's his name. I don't but... think it is either, but it would be cool if it was. Do you know the Mr. Bean I'm talking about? Yeah, from, from te- television's Mr. Yeah, Bean. okay. Just yeah. checking. My ex-wife's brother reminded me of Mr. Bean. I could see it a little bit yeah. now, that you, now that you point it out. And they were English, their family, so. Yeah. It's just in the water over there. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson. So anyway, this podcast on This American Life about L.L. Bean was saying that 
um, that their return policy existed uh, for a hundred plus years until the modern era when people started to take advantage of it. And what I mean is people who wouldn't shop at Ella Bean instead would go to the thrift store and they would buy shirts, boots, whatever from the, from the thrift store for cheap. Then they would take it to an LL Bean store and swap it out for brand new ones, and they were getting high quality, expensive shit for free. Yeah. And they continued to do that until LL Bean was it was they they let it go for years, and th- and they were losing so much money because of it. They had no choice because of these people abusing the policy to shut it down because it was going to bankrupt the company, and that's a real shame, man. Because it is a shame. it's a real shame. So the point is, I bought a shirt there. I bought a wool sweater there, and they're so fucking awesome. They were top dollar, man, but they were so awesome. The quality, the weight of the shirt, the weight of it, just the weight of it. You're like, God damn, this is like four shirts sewn together. The uh, the buttons are like really, really, I mean, you're never going to pop one of these buttons, man. Yeah. They're like hand sewn. It's like sea lion tusk. It's made of sea lion tusk and like... Uh, the threads of mermaid hair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I do like that shirt though. It's like a a, a very small houndstooth yeah, check. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it it's is green. I like it. It's, Point, a, it's a good looking shirt. Shout out to LL Bean. I really like the stuff. Um, you can't shop there like it's just like one or two items at a time because it's ridiculous how much it costs. But it's worth it if you're looking for quality stuff. It's worth it. Cool. There's LL the, Bean. There's the thunder again. This this episode sponsored by LL Bean. Not not really, but let's make it happen. But shout out to LLB, Mr. Bean. Um, I don't know. Do you think we? Uh, you, th- you think we're a sponsorable podcast? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I would say no, but like, you know, look at the stuff that Joe Rogan gets away with. Um, I mean, he's Joe Rogan, and we're not. But if he, if it's possible sure. for someone like him to be making you know millions of dollars in advertising and saying whatever he wants, it's possible. Certainly possible for us. Let's get some ads. Let's get let's get it going. Let's get it going. You know anybody who might sponsor us? I just you know it what pops in my head is uh now I can't remember what movie it is uh, or show they're trying to raise money. Oh, it was it was The Office. Do you remember when uh, they start the Michael Scott Paper Company and he, oh, yeah. he goes to his grandma's investment club? Yeah, yeah. And you said to me, "Do you know anybody that would what might sponsor the podcast?" And I'm like. Maybe maybe my grandma's investment club. Um, pretty funny. Pretty funny. The Office, man. That's a good show. Yep. So, anything else? No, not really. You want to talk personality tests? Sure. All right. So, you guys know I, apart from also apparently having a crush on Mejdi, I have right. one, I have one on Jordan Peterson, and uh, he um, designed a personality test and put it online. And originally, it was used. In the university, in fact, it was like some sort of research project or something where the data they were gathering was being used for for academic purposes, and they used it um, on a whole bunch of people in different colleges, and um, then he made it available to the public, and it's not expensive. It's really cheap. So I did one, and then you did one, Yep. and then they'll let you link them up so that you can see like if you're a couple and your spouse or your girlfriend or boyfriend or something do, does the personality test not only can you see what your personality looks like but you can see how they compare and then you get a little bit of feedback from Jordan about like <clears throat> what what you might want to watch out for in terms of how your personalities will, conf- will conflict or uh, you know what what you might be you know good at in terms of bringing you closer together it's funny the language in here does make it seem like we're dating 
Yeah, that's what it's for. That's what it's for. (laughs) Now, Um, did you did you read yours? I I skimmed. I didn't actually like really dig into it. Okay. I feel like uh, this is the episode where you all get to find out what a lazy dickhead I am. (laughs) (laughs) Did you look at how ours compare? Uh, yeah, a little bit. And okay, so I don't know if it. It's probably not a good idea to, to spill the beans about that, yeah, like right, right at the beginning. But let's just uh, let's talk about it. So, so let's talk about the questions at first. What do you remember about those? It's probably it's been a while since you did it. It right? has been a while. I can't really remember. What what what's what do you? So like? it was like one hundred questions, uh, ten ten pages of ten questions, if I remember correctly, and um, it was more just like statements. It's like I feel comfortable with. You know, I don't know, speaking in public, something yeah, like oh that. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then it's uh, five, you have five options from strongly disagree to strongly agree, and that's it. Yep, so it's, this is based on the big five, uh, the big five uh, model of personality. And um, uh, I'm trying to see what those, I actually got to log in. We were not prepared for this. I'm, I'm logged You're in. You're logged bro. in? Okay, well, you, you talk for just a second while I get logged Relationship in. Relationship report with. Chris. Mm. Mm. You gotta do more talking than that, bud. I'm sorry. I'm I'm distracted by this uh this awesome relationship report. <laughs> this is uh this right. is pretty cool that they do this. That they can, you know, you can like link it up. Yep. So alright, so do we wanna go right to the relationship report? I guess so. What else would we do? Well, it, the relationship report gives us ours, our individual stuff, so we'll just go right to that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So here are the big five. Agreeableness, and this is a measure of something like compassion and politeness. Okay? Yeah. Then there's conscientiousness, which is related to industriousness and orderliness. So what comes to mind when, when somebody says industriousness? Building a house. <laughs> exactly. Industriousness is like somebody that can buckle down and get shit done. Like a hard worker, a diligent person, you know? And orderliness is somebody who's organized and doesn't like chaos and a mess. And, you know, that's the kind of person that's a manager. That's the kind of person that's going to get shit done. That's gonna, the kind of person that's not going to let shit fall through the cracks. Yep. So we got agreeableness. We got conscientiousness. Extroversion. So how would you describe extroversion? A person who is outgoing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, uh, like I, I imagine the agoraphobic person is the opposite, right? An, an, an extrovert is somebody who likes to be around people, who likes to be out in public, who wants to go out, right? I want to go out. I want to have fun. I want to go out. Not me. You don't want to sit on the couch and have an intimate evening. You want to go out. That person. Intimate evening, huh? And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Extroversion is related to enthusiasm and assertiveness, Okay. And there's neuroticism. Yeah. Yeah. Neuroticism. <laughs> Not eroticism. Oh. Ne- ne- <laughs> neuroticism, which is, uh, you What's know. the difference? <laughs> well, They're tied. They're heavily tied yeah, together. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, what comes to my mind is uh, neuroses. Yeah. So Freud, Freud talked about, like, mental illness. And back in the early days of psychology, they didn't have the mental illness stuff figured out. They didn't have a lot of categories. So they just called them neuroses. So if you were if you were messed up in any way, if you were schizophrenic or had depression, either way, you had some neuroses. Some neuroses. So neuroticism is related to withdrawal and volatility. So that's that's something like, you know, somebody who's 
who's not overly um, extroverted, somebody who uh, is, you know, quiet and stays to themselves, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, then the last one is, is openness to experience or just openness. Um, and that's related to the intellect, which I thought was interesting. Also because I scored poorly on it and my immediate instinct was to be offended. Yeah. I'm like, fuck you. Because I was like agreeing with a lot of it. I'm like, okay, I can go with that. I can go with that. And then I got to that. And they're like, yeah, you're, <coughs> you're not all that smart, Chris. And I was like, fuck you, man. Are you, are you sure? I answered the questions, though. It was me that answered the questions. So I guess, yeah, I, yeah. I guess I'm dumb. I do. I mean, I'll, I guess I'll just say this up front. I do have, you know, I have a lot of respect for Jordan Peterson, but I also have my skepticism mm-hmm. about this stuff. Um, That's good. Yeah. Um, but... That being said, when I read my results, I a lot of it is not flattering necessarily, <laughs> but I read it and I'm like, man, this is not like like I said, not flattering, but it's also not untrue. Either, so. <laughs> was it was it eye opening to you? Like no, somebody held no, a mirror up. Really. Somebody held a mirror up in front of you, and you were like, what the fuck is that? No, it's a mirror that I've I've seen for a while. Yeah, okay, so okay. not really surprising. All right, so we're going to talk about these. Agreeableness, conscientiousness, extroversion, neuroticism, and openness. We're going to talk about that. How did me and Kyle score on these areas, and what does it mean about our relationship, apparently? Yeah. All right, where do you want to begin? Well, I just start with agreeableness, I guess. Do you want to read it, or do you want to... I mean, I guess we can. I, I don't know. All right, so I'll just read the opening, and then we'll talk about how we scored. All right. So the first one's agreeableness, and it goes like this. Agreeableness is a big five personality trait associated with how people weigh their own interests against those of others. Simply put, agreeableness is how much you pay attention to and care about other people's feelings, needs, Kyle smiling, desires. Agreeable people are kind, nurturing, compliant, and trusting. Disagreeable people are competitive, tough, blunt, and skeptical. All right. How did you score? Well, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You go first. All right. So in agreeableness, Chris scores average. I'm the 71st percentile in agreeableness, which actually seems to be a little bit higher than average, but I'm falling just underneath, uh, like just at the very high end of the middle, right? So I'm, they're saying average, but kind of seems like my agreeableness is pretty close to the higher end of that. Slightly above average. Yep. Uh, I am low in agreeableness. (laughs) Uh, It says your score puts you at the 17th percentile. (laughs) For agreeableness. If you were one of 100 people in a room, you would be lower in agreeableness than 82 <laughs> 82 of them and higher in agreeableness than 17 of them. Um, All right. So, so here it says in comparing the two of us, because if you were in a relationship and somebody, one of the people was high in, in agreeableness and one of the people was low in agreeableness, that means if, if Kyle and I got into an argument, he would be much more adamant about his point and uh, much more, much less willing to compromise, I would, I would imagine, um, on mine. And this is what it says. Your partner is low in agreeableness. Okay. People, uh, let's see. Let me see. Here we go. Implications. Implications. Says you, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, you were, you, were, you were going to It's Always Sunny? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's the implication, it's the Kyle. the implication. I love that. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, what do you mean? You can't say that word without me thinking about no, that. Uh-oh. It's a, It's inextricably tied to it mm. forever. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. So we're going to see what, what does this mean for our relationship, Kyle, that I'm super agreeable and you are very low. I don't know. What does it mean? 
All right, it says, this means the two of you have somewhat different strategies in dealing with the world, which can be beneficial to you as a couple. However, this may present a challenge within your relationship because you may have trouble understanding one another at times. You'll have to be careful to avoid the pitfalls of your respective personality traits. Overall, however, your relationship is fairly balanced in this trait. You and your partner are slightly different in agreeableness. This may present a problem. Uh, wait a minute. Am I reading this over again? <laughs> <laughs> I so, think it's funny that we have inverted numbers. It is funny. And you're going to find that's a trend here. Oh, yeah? It's going, to be, it's going to be a trend. Okay. That's interesting. Now, what do you think about the way the, this piece, like, th- so this is where my mind goes. Is This is scientifically vetted. So presumably this is all legit. You know, and, and meaningful in some way that's measurable. Yeah. But there's also a way in which this is like reading a horoscope or yeah. somebody telling us our fortune, you know, somebody reading our cards. What do you think about this? Like, do you think there's value in what he said here? Like, we're different in agreeableness, and that's good because it's... No, I mean, I, so I, I'm sure that there is some kind of value in it, to be honest with you, uh, but I don't see it, like, manifesting itself in my relationship with you, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not specific enough to me because, yeah. you know, that's why I bring up the horoscope example. It's like could apply to anybody. So I'm not sure. I don't know what I take from that other than the, the implication that you and I as a partner have, having different approaches and agreeableness, like regardless of what comes at us. One of us is going to be able to deal with it. If, it, if it's a situation that needs an agreeable, you know, an agreeable type of approach, I've got it. Yeah. If somebody oh, okay. if somebody needs to put down the hammer, you All can ta- right. you can take care of it. All right, I see that. I can see it. And that's that's. I mean, there's something to that. Yeah, there's something to that between the two of I, the two, the two of us, <laughs> <laughs> two of I. I like that. Um, somebody should write like a new metal song called "The Two of I." The Two of I. All right. It's, it also says this. To me, it says your partner may see you as a bit naive, uh, somewhat oversympathetic, and easily taken advantage of. You may wish your partner could be a little less self-oriented, more cooperative, more likely to apologize, less blunt and kinder. Is this reminding you of your relationship with Jesse at all? Maybe a little bit, but I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I could see that. Uh, you will be a little more compassionate, caring, empathetic, self-sacrificing, and polite than your partner. You will take somewhat more account and of and care for others more and will be more concerned with the emotional state of your partner. What are you feeling, Kyle? What are you feeling? I don't feel anything. I'm, like, dead inside. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I don't, I don't particularly feel anything. All right, there's, there's more, though. <laughs> there's more. Your partner, this is you, Kyle, will be a little blunter, tougher, and more stubborn, as well as more likely to push things forward in the way that he or she wants them. This will be particularly true if he or she is high in assertiveness. Are you high in assertiveness? Let's no, find. I don't believe so. Like <laughs> I said, you're going to find out in this episode what a lazy asshole that I am. What a lazy, uncompassionate <laughs> asshole that I am. All right. That brings us to compassion. I'll read. I'll, I'll, I'll read compassion. Please do. Yeah. Uh, compassion. <clears throat> I'll try to read compassion. Compassion is an aspect of the big five factor agreeableness. Simply put, it is a measure of a person's orientation toward the interests and needs of others as opposed to their own interests and needs. 
People who score higher in compassion are more interested in the concerns of other people, more likely to be described as caring and kind, and often have difficulty advocating on their own behalf. People who score low in compassion are less interested in the concerns of other people, less likely to be, to be described as caring and kind, although they may certainly still be this way, and are usually comfortable advocating on their own behalf. Okay. How'd you <clears throat> score in compassion? I am high in compassion. Your score puts you in the 81st percentile for compassion. Damn, if, I, if I was in a room with full of 100 people... Um, I would be, let's see, you would be lower in compassion than only 18 of them. So super compassionate. doesn't surprise me one bit. Yeah. How'd you score, Kyle? You're, you're a super compassionate guy. You would have described yourself that way? Um, I would have used the word empathetic. Okay. It, like against my will, empathetic. Like I, I feel for people and it, it's, it becomes like actionable. It's like something that is a powerful motivator for me and I kind of wish it wasn't. Okay. You know, it's like to a fault. Got it. I don't know if compassion was the word I would use, but empathetic is the word I would use. Got it. How about you? How'd you score, bud? I am low in compassion. No shit. <laughs> Your score puts you at the 25th percentile for compassion. If you were one of 100 people in a room, you would be lower in compassion than 74 of them and higher in compassion than 25 of them. Okay. There are 25 so, other assholes in the room. Not a compassionate guy. Um, I don't feel like that's necessarily true, to be honest okay. with you. Um, although, it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, you could think of instances where you felt bad for somebody or when you wanted to help somebody, but then you can also feel think of instances where you're like, I feel no mercy, no surrender. It's, I don't feel bad for you at all, you prick. The moments <laughs> where I feel really bad for people are fewer and farther between than other people for sure mm -hmm. like a lot of times like i, I mean shit happens you know it's, it's more selective though for you it sounds like who you're compassionate towards i guess yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I don't know what i'm judging it against but me i guess yeah maybe mm, let's see what else okay oh yeah um forgot what we were doing for a second all right so this describes me being high and what it means to being, being high in compassion. <laughs> it means this. Uh, this means you are very oriented towards the problems of other people and, and living things. You won't be likely to push your partner psychologically or argue with him or her because you'll be concerned about causing him or her negative emotion. So I am super concerned about causing like my wife negative emotion, but I also love to psychoanalyze. So it's true and not true. It says that I'm not likely to push your partner psychologically. Not true. I enjoy that, and if I could, I would. I get resistance from her, so I don't. Um, but that's so that so it's true, and it's not true. Yeah, it says you will do kind things for your partner, even at the expense of your own needs. That's a hundred percent absolutely true, and that not just not just beyond my partner, but you know my friends and acquaintances and all that. That's true. It says, however, you're likely to have some trouble negotiating on your own behalf in your romantic relationships and otherwise. That's one of those things where, like, I want to say it's not true because it makes me f look bad. Like, if I can't yeah, negotiate no, for no. myself with my with my wife, what kind of man are you? Um, I can say I try. I'm not like a pushover that that way, but I don't succeed very much. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. It drives a hard bargain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it has a lot to do with the first part. So as soon as she shows negative emotion, I you know, You're like, like oh, okay, right. I guess I fucked. I guess I fucked up. Uh, all right. It says. Um, 
you may be exploited if you're not careful to advocate for your own needs. So I describe myself as like naive and my life experience has been so much realizing that like over and over and over again, like you just being naive. And that has to, that is connected to being exploited. When you're naive, you get taken advantage of because you don't, when you're unable to anticipate some bad thing that might happen because you're all about roses and rainbows and optim optimism, you're the one that's going to get fucked. Yeah. And that's happened to me over and over and over and over. And I should have learned my lesson by now and over and over and over. And I just don't. You got to start looking for the barbarians, you know? Yeah. I want to become more of a barbarian. Yeah. yeah it'd be cool to be a barbarian, <laughs> don't you think? Uh, Carry like an axe around. I think it would be cool to dress like a barbarian and have the muscles of a barbarian and uh, maybe even romping the hay um, like no, a barbarian would. No but, rape no raping for you? No. That's not on your agenda? No, it, 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 the compassion gets in the way. Yeah, you yeah know? That's, it can be a problem. It, that's gets, for it sure. gets rid of the boner right away yeah, in that yeah. situation. Um, but as far as like, do I want to, do I want to raid Rome? Do I want to sack Rome with the Visigoths? Fuck no, man. Oh man, I think that'd be kind of cool. Just bashing people's heads in and taking all their treasures. I would try to, I would try to bash as few people's heads in as possible, you know? Yeah. you like, would you bash them on the toes? Yeah. Yeah. And like say, where are your treasures? Like you with that goddamn <laughs> mini bat. You remember? I, I, that's exactly where my mind went. I, I had a feeling you yeah. fucking prick. <laughs> So while we're talking about me being so compassionate and empathetic, exactly. let's tell that story. Uh, okay, so you know you go to uh, you go to baseball games as a kid. They give you these little miniature bats, and uh, they're legit bats. It's like a solid wood. It's like a club, you yeah. know, like a, a dense wood. Club. It's a dense wood. It's covered in a nice lacquer, you know. Yeah, it's like a miniature baseball yeah. bat, legitimately. Yeah. And uh, Chris was just beating the shit out of me with it, slapping me in the toes. Yeah, so we were just sitting there. We were kids. We were really young. Yeah, yeah. But we were just sitting there hanging out and, you know, we're watching TV. And I had this little bat. And I'm, like, looking at Kyle, looking at the bat. And I'm like, what, you know, what are you going to do with this thing? Smack him in the toe with it. Smack him in the knee with it. He got me good. And, you know, it's like, you know, it wasn't like, it was painful for sure. But it wasn't, like, dangerously injuring yeah. you. So your pain was fucking hilarious to me and uh that's not very compassionate you know that's not very compassionate it was pretty funny though it was pretty funny yeah but um it hurt <laughs> yep yep um hurt my feelings i'm sorry bud thanks dude it also says here if, if i'm not careful to advocate for my own needs then it says i i run the risk of becoming resentful or angry um if i don't take care to communicate my needs so i don't know you know, in order to communicate your needs, you have to know what your needs are, and then you have to actually think about that. Like, why Why are you unhappy? Why are you unsatisfied? What is, what is it you're afraid of? What is it you need? And I'm not interested in doing that because, well, I'm not, I'm not alone in this. Nobody's interested in doing that. It doesn't happen enough, and it needs to happen more. And I, I would benefit from doing it, and guess what? It's hard work, and it's uncomfortable, and uh, that's why I'm not keen on it. Just because you're arguing for your needs doesn't mean that you know what your needs are. You could be arguing for shit that is bad for you, you know? Just because you think that you need them, you know? Yeah, but I think he's talking about legitimate. You're legit. You got to figure out what your legitimate needs are. Can you can you fight for your needs? I mean, I guess you could fight for what you think you, you want, but that might not be what you need. You got to fight for your right to party. You can't, that. you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, Kyle, I think you'll find... You, you get what you need. Is that? I just I just came up with that. That's brilliant. Mm -hmm. 
uh, not to be used without the express permission of Ricky Bobby Inc. <laughs> All right. All right, go ahead. You're low in compassion. You want to read? You want to read your description, or what do you um, want to do? Here? I mean, it just says you are low in the aspect of compassion. This means you are not particularly or in, oriented toward the problems of other people or other living things. <laughs> Jesus, man, <laughs> you will be comfortable engaging in conflict and competition with your partner, even if it makes him or her experience negative emotion. You will ensure your own needs and interests are attended to and you may be less likely to do nice things for your partner if he or she doesn't ask. That's uh, that's not true. Yeah, it is maybe. It is kind of, but listen, man, I I wish my wife would ask. I yeah, wish yeah. I wish she would tell me what she wants sure. or needs. Having to having to intuit it, first of all, that's not easy for a man. It's it seems to be much more um, natural for a woman to be intuitive and pick up on cues and things that aren't v- verbal. It's not easy. Ladies, listen, man. It's not clear to us what you need or want most of the time. True that. And all your subtle signs and hints are like hieroglyphs that I don't understand. And Kyle doesn't even realize this language. So you got to be real clear, man. You got to say, I would like you to do this. You know? Yep. Uh, tell me. Tell me, and I'm happy to do it. I Maybe mean, like, I'm happy to do it. I don't know. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> um, so that that's something... Um, well, that's a tan- that's a tangent. Are you done reading? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go to politeness. Politeness. I'll read this one. All right. Politeness is an aspect of the big five factor agreeableness. Simply put, it's a measure of a person's obedience, def- deference to authority, and their sensitivity to social norms. So let's stop right there. Before we even begin, where it says it's a measure of a person's obedience. Yeah. You have to imagine Kyle and I are. I don't know how would how would you imagine before we look at the scores we we would we would score on that being obedient. I would imagine that I score pretty low. I would imagine too. What about me? Pretty low as well. Yeah. See, I kind of want to say that because it it seems like how I want myself to be, but it also strikes me as false. It also strikes me as like I'm a good boy. I always obey the rules. I never got in much trouble as a kid. I never been arrested. Yeah. So how, how, you know, how much of a rebel am I, man? I'm a pretty obedient dude. I never cheated on a girl in my life. That's admirable. See what I mean? Yeah. Never. Um, I don't know. I don't, <clears throat> I don't know that just because you don't do it doesn't mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to explain. <clears throat> I'm just talking about obedience, man, social norms. I don't know if it's the, the social norm, the reason why I, you know. I'm a moral person, but you know what I mean. Yeah. All right, here we go. Um, deference to authority. Okay. People who score higher in politeness are um, uh, de- deferential, respectful of norms. God, what, that's, that's a word I've never seen before. And conflict-averse. So I, conflict-averse. Would you describe yourself that way? Um, I don't know. I... Not really, but yes, at the same time. It's like, I don't get into a lot of arguments. It's not like I'm seeking out conflict. Um, but that being said, I, I'm not, like, afraid of it either. You know, like, if it arises, I'm not going to, like, shy away from it. When I was a kid, I liked to argue. Yeah. I don't know, know why. Part of it was besting somebody else. Part of it was being right or, or, you know, winning the argument. That was fun. 
like as an exercise. Yeah. Um, part of it was thinking. So arguing is also is also like thinking out loud, trying to take one position or whatever. Um, so I always liked it, but at the same time, you know, I'm not prone to getting fights or anything, you know. And and I kind of kind of grew out of that liking to argue business. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't even say that I've grown out of it. I I like to argue a little bit. I don't like hurting people's feelings, man. And the whole and the whole internet is the whole social media is just full of people hurting people's feelings. Yeah, this is uh, this is that compassion, Sean. I don't give a fuck. Really. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't really want to hurt people's feelings. Sometimes I do, but, <laughs> but most of the time I don't. Um, most of the time, I just want to like talk a little bit of shit. You know, I, I haven't been on Twitter in forever. Yeah, I've been I know. Off of Twitter, bro. I know. It's like uh, cutting the cord. Although it's been easy as hell. Yeah, you got you got to you got to get a new email and get a new profile and yeah, you got to reemerge with a new f- mask on. I think I'm gonna have to use a VPN. I think that they're keeping tabs on oh, me. Oh boy, yeah, that's silly. Yeah. You know what I saw today on Twitter? A couple of people, um, I, I think they maybe commented or responded to something I put on there, and I checked them out. And some of them were uh, Satanists. No, like like. This might be like a vain thing, but it's like uh, not. I mean, not any more entertaining than my tweets. Let's say. Oh yeah. And they got way, way more followers. Like, h- how many? How many people are following you? Are you kidding me? You know. And I got a little jealous of that, and I'm like, how in the world do these people manage it? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm lazy it's a, there's got to be a late when we get to industriousness we'll find industriousness we'll find out how lazy i am okay, okay. Uh, it's not as lazy as me i promise <laughs> you that all right not as lazy as kyle uh okay people who score lower in politeness which is probably kyle are less respectful of norms and more comfortable challenging people people who are high in compassion avoid conflict for fear of making others feel negative emotion well i just said that about myself so there you have it while people who are high in politeness avoid conflict for fear of making themselves feel negative emotion. All right. Um, I scored. How do you think I scored? I think that you are average. I'm average. Average in politeness, the 52nd percentile. So if I was in a room full of, uh, you know, one of 100 people, I'd basically be dead and smack dab in the middle. Smack dab in the middle. How about you? Uh, I'm low in politeness. Mm, How low? Your score puts you at the 16th percentile for politeness. If you were one of 100 people in a room, you would be lower in politeness than 83 of them and higher in politeness than 16 of them. Here's my question. Somebody poses a question to you that if you answered it in a way that, you know, in one way would make you polite, one way would make you, you know, highly impolite, let's say. If you get a question like that, I imagine you're going to say, you know, Fuck you! Like if, there, if "fuck you" is an answer, that's what you're gonna. That's what you. That's what you. That's the dot you're filling in. What's the question again? Any anything that's trying to uh, gauge your politeness or your obedience. That you're, you know, if there was a, if there was an answer that was "fuck you," you that would be like the most the most you know disobedient and impolite yeah. way of answering it. That would be Kyle, sure. which reflects in your score of a 16th percentile. That's that's you know, it's not um, a very polite thing. But so if you get a question like that, I can see you doing that. But in a social interaction, mm-hmm. would is Kyle likely to be impolite? See, I don't think you are, man. Um, are you likely to be disobedient? That's probably more of a yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, also no at the same time. It's not like, uh, 
It's not like I'm walking around like you know at, at Target like smacking things off the shelf, <laughs> just being a dick for no reason. But uh, well, how about- if I get the desire to do something and it's like not, you're not really. Sp- I'm probably still gonna do it. Um, so that's just. Well, let's talk about your, um, I'm just thinking about like when you got pulled over by the police. um, And I ran. (laughs) No, you didn't run. No, No, you, you, so you, you have reason like a lot of people do to have a negative feeling about uh, the the police and not the people, but you know, necessarily, but just the the people. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, But at the same time, when you got pulled over um, and that, that was like a, you know, I'm not saying it was a serious situation, but it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't like a just a, you know, nothing traffic stop. Which time? Um, the time when you had controlled substances. Oh yeah. You were you polite to the cop? Did you obey his yeah. instructions? Yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? Well, I uh, see. There's a difference there, though, because um, it's not. I mean, if. Uh, some random guy came up to me and like flagged me down and made me stop and was like giving me a heart and telling me that I was going to have to pay him money because I had. <laughs> I, I mean, I would be much less polite to that guy, but this guy has like a gun and he can put me in jail and he can make me pay a bunch of money. And so, I mean, yeah, I'm a little bit more polite to that guy yeah. because I have to. And like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's just like I don't want to be polite to the cops, yeah, at all. Yeah, but but you will get to work under social constraints. Yeah, otherwise you'd be a monster and a lunatic. It sounds like. Can you imagine if you just lived by yourself? I can imagine that. Yeah, until, until you were this age, and somebody dropped you in New York City. New York City. New York City. Pace Bacanti sauce. <laughs> all right. Uh, where do we, uh, so what we were doing again. All right, so you're low, so you're low in politeness. Surprise, surprise. Um, okay. Conscientiousness is next. Conscientiousness. You want, you want to go with this one? You want to read this one? Sure. All right. Where is it though? Hold on. It's the next one. It. Just yeah. got to scroll a little down. Conscientiousness is a big five personality trait associated with attention to detail, hard work, persistence, and orderliness, as well as adherence to rules, standards, and processes. Conscientious people are careful, reliable, organized, self-disciplined, and persevering. Mm -hmm. Unconscientious people tend to be more laid back, less orderly, more inconsistent, and less reliable. They are more likely to procrastinate and are less likely to persist when pursuing their goals. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So let's yeah. let's so let's talk about that. Attention to detail, hard work, persistence, orderliness. Um, how would you gauge yourself on, with those kind of descriptors? Not good. Not good. Yeah. Is your is your room a mess? Most of the time, uh, Jordan man. Peterson would be ashamed. Yeah, well, fuck Jordan Peterson. Man. <laughs> I mean, I like the guy, but I don't need him judging my goddamn room. You know? Mm, yeah. It looks pretty good right now, thanks to Chelsea. She did a great job. Chelsea is your conscientiousness. I gotta go home you, and clean the bathroom. Oh, so, yeah. I just want for the audience. I want you to to know that Kyle has outsourced his conscientiousness to his fiance. No, 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 no. That's not. <laughs> no, that's not for it's, sure. Not it. That's not. That's not it. No. When she moved in, I remember I was worried that I was gonna be. It was like, oh, you're so fucking messy. You know, it's yeah, gonna, no. Gonna, 
fuck no, it's no, not she, a problem. She fit right in. With, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like if she ever gives me a hard time about not doing chores, it like that will be the day. Mm. <laughs> so okay, all right. Uh, shout out. No, I'm not even talking shit. Like it's fine. I'm not mad at her. Yeah, but yeah. like. Just gonna wallow There's no room. <laughs> Pots and kettles and shit, you know? Pots and kettles, that's right. Yeah. Shout out to Chelsea. All right. The bedroom does look great. Um, well, while we're on the subject, how would you how would you rate me, do you think, in orderliness? Oh, I, I w- high. Okay. Yeah. So we're sitting in the podcast studio, which is also my work space. Yeah. So I have two, I, you might say I have two businesses contained in this, like, you know, 300 square foot room or 200 square foot room or whatever this is. Um, is there a thing out of place right here, Kyle? There's a couple of crumbs over there. I mean, you know, it's like very neat. I'll say that it's not perfect, but it's yeah, but it's very it's neat. Very yeah, neat. I'm not I'm not like crazy. There's not plastic on the, over the couch, but you know, it's yeah. neat. Um, so I pro- I'm probably going to be high in conscientiousness. I would I would assume. Um, let's see what else does this say? It says. Uh, careful, reliable, organized, self-disciplined, and persevering. Would you consider yourself self-disciplined? Can you? Are you like your own boss? Can you push yourself around and get yourself to do shit? Depends on the thing. Uh, if you don't want to do it, can you get yourself to behave? No, no. no. I mean, it's not as easy, <laughs> not for as easy. sure. Yeah. So it wasn't anything your mom did wrong. It wasn't anything the teachers did wrong. It's just it's just your your personality. It's my vibe, man. bro. Okay. How about persevering? Um, I think get shit done again I think that if it's like something that I want to get done I can be very persevering but but if it's not I just don't I'm not gonna persevere I'm like like I'm gonna you know dabble for a second and then carry on yeah yeah that sounds like ADD bro yeah ADD's fake and gay well that sounds that's like you're describing yourself yeah yeah Fake and Fake gay. Fake and gay. Yeah. Okay, sorry about that. So when you when we talk about persevering, you know what comes to my mind is uh, Rocky, for sure. Also, my college experience. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I mean. Well, you kind of you know this, but the people listen, the people that are overhearing this conversation, those rude motherfuckers, they don't know this. Um, nosy bastards. Nosy bastards. I'm talking to you. Um, so. I started going to school. I wanted to be a lawyer originally, and I got and I talked myself out of that really quickly, really early on. And then I decided what I really wanted to do was to pursue like philosophy and religion and to be like an academic. And uh, meanwhile, I'm uh, married, right? I'm married, and my wife has a child. So I'm trying to go to school with working full time and having a wife and a child. So it took me a really long time. And to, to, to get my degree. And partway through, I realized I wasn't going to be able to do anything like I wanted to do. The attorney idea went out the window. The, the um, you know, beginning an academic idea seemed impractical. Taking on a whole bunch of debt, um, having a really difficult, you know, uh, it, it's, it's not easy, right? The, you know, getting a doctorate in something like that, you, you know, I have to learn another language. I have to be able to read academic works in other languages it's like not optional you know that kind of thing so I decided I had to continue to go into another field and it was just happened to be where I was working at the time so here I am taking two or three classes at a time which makes a four a four-year degree basically an eight-year degree Um, it takes me it takes me like seven years to get it and all the classes I'm taking I don't like I don't care about I they're boring fuck it lots of math 
lots of math, lots of um, highly technical, you know, legalistic stuff, and uh, and I passed every class, and I went to I went to class every day, and I and I just kept plugging away at the crap and got the degree and left, and I didn't like it, and I did it anyway. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the difference between you and I. Yeah. So how did you how did you score in conscientiousness? Not good. Hold on, I, let me pull it up. <laughs> Kyle got so enamored by my monologue that he put his phone down. Yeah, he was yeah. just staring at me while I was talking. Yeah. No, so I've been low in everything. Yeah. I'm. It says you are very low in conscientiousness. <laughs> okay, so. Your score puts you at the fifth percentile Jesus for conscientiousness. <laughs> if you were one of 100 people in a room, you would be lower in conscientiousness than 94 of them and higher in conscientiousness than five of them. So that's pretty low. Pretty low. Yeah. Um, I, I'm high in conscientiousness. Score, my score puts me in the 75th percentile. So I'm, oh, pretty, yeah. I'm pretty conscientious. It says people who are high in conscientiousness make dedicated, reliable, and committed romantic partners. I would say that's true. Committed? I told you, I never, never cheated on a girl in my life. Who could be more committed than me? Uh, they are very prone to guilt. Oh my God, that's so. This is one of those horoscope moments where I'm like, they know me. They're, they're talking about me. In this instance, prone to guilt. That's something that I feel like if it was measurable, maybe it is. I think I would be off the charts. Yeah. Sensitive to guilt. Um, how about you? Sensitive to guilt. Is that, um, a, is that a tool mostly women use? Is that a tool that's effective against you? I feel guilt, but... Does it motivate you, though? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a good motivator when I do feel it. Um, <laughs> okay. But, I, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say that... People can use guilt against me. I, I, I decide what I feel guilty mm. about, you know? So, you know what? This is the thing is, I think you're right that you decide what you feel guilty about. And I think that uh, you might not feel guilty as often, but I don't think that's the, that's the real important factor. It's how, how negative does guilt make you feel? Like, if, if, you, and I, if you and I felt guilty, um, you know... Like once you felt once a year, I feel guilty a hundred times a year. But when I feel guilty, I feel very, very guilty. Yeah. And when you feel guilty, it's like you know I probably shouldn't have done that, and and it doesn't stop you from doing it again. It doesn't, you know. Sometimes, sometimes it has more of an effect, but most of the time, yeah. Most of the time, it's like I feel bad, and then you know. Later that later that night, I whack off again. You know, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story that you, I've told you before, but you probably have haven't heard in a while. When I was like 17 years old, and I was uh, dating the girl that I ended up marrying the, my, my the first time around uh, that I've that I've described. Um, that I've I, described. So keep in mind, I was still in high school, and I was only dating her. And I was in a situation at a friend's house. Shout out to Eddie. I was at a situation Eddie. at a friend's house where uh, the a, there was a couple of girls over. We were all hanging out. The girl who was over had dated a friend of mine previously. And that's like, you know, guy code wise, for me, that was always like a no-no. You know, didn't matter. didn't matter the situation. I wasn't going to go there. Me lower in conscientious <laughs> is not as much of an issue. <laughs> not as much of an issue with guilt, right? 
Uh, uh, so anyway, this is the way the story went down. Uh, that girl, she rode the bus with me to school and uh, talked to me a lot, and we got along and we liked each other. Um, she really, really liked me, and I would have really, really liked her probably if I weren't tied down. But it, you know, for me, it was just friendship, and it was clear to me that that wasn't exactly her, the end for her. But she, it never got, it never went anywhere. So anyway, I get up, I, I, I walk down the hallway to go to the bathroom, and she follows me down the hallway. Do you remember this story? Not really, not not off the top of my head right now. She follows me down the hallway. And you know how Matt, Matt's room was at the end of the hallway on the left? I don't even remember who this girl is. Um, Katie. Oh, okay. All right, so... Um, so... Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I go down I go down the hallway. She follows me. I notice she's behind me. She sort of takes me around the corner. So Matt Matt's bedroom was on the left, and there was like a little corner... And there was like uh, Melvin had, had lived on the right, and uh, you know there was the there was the bedroom in the in the, in the straight back that was uh, that was Willard's room. What was his name? What was Willard's name? Can't remember. Br- Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, so anyway, she so she brings me around the corner. It's like a dark hallway. Nobody's there. Everyone else is in the living room. She corners me. She corners me, man, in the dark. <laughs> you know, and she comes on to me hard. She pushes herself up against me. She's right in my face. The whole romantic thing about, you know, this sensation and feeling like to kiss is like, you know, palpable. I could have cut a little piece of it off and buttered my bread with it. It was palpable. And she she came on to me so hard. Like, any man in that situation would think about it. And I thought about it, you know, and I walked away. And I still think about that moment. Like, did you slap her? No, no, no. I just, I, didn't, I don't like hurting people's feelings. And I was sorely tempted, man. Never, never been more tempted in my entire life to, to be unfaithful. And uh, she was a good-looking lady, man, and very, very nice. You, you know, I should have, dude. Under the circumstances, in, with hindsight, knowing that that uh, the first marriage, you know, the girl I'm talking about here is just not, not. Not even a good person, and it was a uh, you know one hundred percent a mistake. See, your conscientiousness didn't do you any fucking favors there, did it? Yeah. So we all act all high and mighty when we're talking about With your fucking conscientiousness. <laughs> we're, we're trying to put a value on these characteristics, on these personality characteristics, and we're talking like conscientiousness is like a good one, and there's no argument there. But the story we've we've just told and your perspective on it is legitimate. Conscientiousness is not. And a, a good, a, you know, an unquestioned good. It is a mixed bag like everything else. You know what happened to me in that hallway? You would have banged her I in the hallway. Have, I would have at least gotten a blowjob. In the hallway. I mean, you know. Oh, boy, man. Um, yeah. Yep. Low conscientiousness. <laughs> this episode brought to you by... Low conscientiousness. <laughs> All right. So, um, let's see. Let's see. All right. Again, I keep forgetting. All right, the implications for conscientiousness as a couple. Uh, it says, this means that you have significantly different strategies. Yeah, we know that. Um, you will sometimes find it difficult to understand each other's drives and motivations and what you find important. You will sometimes disagree on the best course of action in a particular situation. So all that stuff sounds like it could apply to anybody under any circumstance. I don't put a lot of stock in that. Um, it says, your partner will tend to see you as lazy, messy, and careless at times. Yep. 
Yeah, that's me. You know what's funny is like I think you and my wife would probably score similarly in this category. Yeah. Um, pro- she, her, not as bad as you, but she's the kind of person that will like. Yeah. Open not up. many people do. <laughs> <laughs> she'll open up like a like a food with it, like a wrapper, and she'll leave the wrapper on the counter. Yeah. And even though the garbage can is like two feet away, and she'll open up the cabinet to take something out and walk away without shutting the cabinet door. Chelsea like, does that. It oh. drives me nuts. It's like she. she I think that there's that. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think that there's truth in these, but I'm skeptical too because I don't know that I'm like fifth percentile. You know, like I pick up. You know, like I'm bad. I, I also think that maybe I'm answering the questions like how the way that I lived. Like, I guess the majority of my life, um, and it, you know, recently maybe I've I've started being a little bit more conscientious. Mm-hmm. Not not like a ton. I would still say I'm probably below average, mm. but not fifth percentile. Although you never know. You know, but there's that there's that thing where they ask people, how well do you think you did on the test? Oh, yeah. And people always rate themselves better right, than higher. they did. Always. Always. Even, yeah. even, you know, it doesn't matter your personality type. And it may be one of those situations where you're like, it can't possibly be that bad. But it is, man. Maybe it is. Maybe. It's a, um, I guess it's a possibility. It's a possibility. Yeah. All right, Uh, conscientiousness, Uh, now skip past that. All right, now we're going to get to industriousness, which is where we're going to find out how lazy Chris is. Industriousness, all right. Oh, you know what I wanted to say about uh, leaving the cabinets open and stuff? What's up? As annoying as that is for someone like me who likes things to be neat and tidy, um, it's it's a way more efficient way of living. Like, Jessica doesn't extend energy when she doesn't have to. That's smart, man. That's what that's what gets organisms to survive and to into the next generation. <laughs> she she's the she's the survival of the fittest situation. I'm I'm burning calories open up cabinets. If it was up to her, she would rip the doors off and leave them open. You know, it's like it's just extra work to open a cabinet. I'm not going to close it. What if I need to get into that drawer again? <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. She's got a level of efficiency that I think I think there's got to be some value to that, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'm going to read industriousness. Are All you right. there? Be all industrious and read it. Here we go. Industriousness is an aspect of the big five factor, conscientiousness. They're all factors. Simply put, it's a measure of how much a person values hard work and how guilty they feel when they do not meet expectations. People who are higher in industriousness tend to finish what they start, to adhere to schedules, and to feel shame when they fail to meet their obligations. People who are lower in industriousness and more likely to procrastinate, to fall behind on schedules... Uh, and they do not feel as guilty when they fail to meet obligations. Industriousness predicts a person's income and success in ac- academic and workplace settings, in particular in managerial and administrative roles. So where my where my mind goes on this is, all right, it says the, uh, the measure of how much value you put on hard work and how guilty you feel when you don't meet expectations. How, how do you measure yourself there? The value of hard work and how guilty you feel when you don't. I value hard work a lot for other people. I think other people should be out there working real hard. You know? <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. You feel like you 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 earn. I mean, you get what you earn, though. Oh yeah. Like if you don't work hard, you don't deserve sh- you don't deserve shit. Absolutely. <clears throat> How about guilt? Do you feel guilt when you don't? Uh... Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. And then that that the severity of that guilt. Do you feel like 
it's hard to know. Like, how, how do you know if I feel more guilty than you? How do you know, man? You don't know. Yeah, it's that's really hard to say. I mean, more than someone else, more. I mean, that's like impossible, I think. I but I just think it's like, do you feel bad enough to make a, to, a difference? To do something yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, it says people who are higher in industriousness tend to finish what they start, adhere to schedules, and feel shame when they fail to meet their obligations. Uh, I, I would I would say that that applies to me for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, so let's just get to it then. Um, how'd you Where score? You oh, well, I scored. Well, you assume I was scored high on this, or yeah, low? I would assume that you're you're higher. Well, you know, average to high at okay. least. I don't I don't think there's any chance you're below average. Well, that, that sounds like a compliment. Uh, thank you, man. I'm high in industriousness, seventy yeah. seventh percentile. Nice. How about you, man? I am low in industriousness. Not very low. Okay. But almost very low. <laughs> <laughs> what was this uh, uh, percentile rate? Eight. Eight. Percentile. Golly. Which I don't know that I agree with that. That's another one that it's just like, I don't know that I agree with yeah. that. Well, I, I have some of that too. I mean, I, I disagree with some of it too. And I don't know if it's a vanity, if it's I want to disagree with it, or if, if it's something I need to... I feel comfortable with my disagreement. I don't feel like I'm being... You know, petty. Well, that's because you're a disagreeable person. We already talked about that's this. That's true. That's true. I do agree with that. <laughs> All right. So somebody who's high in industriousness like me, that what it means is that uh, you're likely to be a hard worker, that you're less prone to procrastination. Yeah. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I think that I struggle with procrastination, and it's not easy for me. But I, most of the time, I beat it. Would you would you say that that's most of the time you beat it when you're like <laughs> when you, yeah most when you, of the time most I of the time it. when you're procrastinating are you beating it no what, yeah, what yeah. I mean to say is um, when you feel like when you feel like you're procrastinating and you're doing everything but the thing you should be doing and you recognize it can you let uh, can you like you know rein yourself in or can't you um. I, uh, it, de- it depends on if it's something I want to do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I don't know. I don't. I I just can't think of uh, an example. You know. Yeah. Like I can't think of a single time. But I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Um, you do not favor a laid back approach. I think that's pretty true for me. You will feel a high amount of guilt when you do not uh, meet your duties or your obligations. That's true. Uh, okay. Jeez, man, eighth percentile for you. <laughs> All right, so let's skip to orderly, orderliness. Orderliness is an aspect of the big five-factor conscientiousness. Simply put, it's a measure of how disturbed a person is by disorder, whether it be a physical mess or a disorganized schedule. So people who are higher in orderliness tend to like cleaning and organization. I think we kind of covered this. Let's just get right to the scores. Yeah. I'm coming in average, but kind of high average, 66 percentile in orderliness. I'm coming in low, but not <laughs> yeah, okay. not like not very low, but again, almost very low. Yep, seventh percentile. Oh, God, and I, I mean, I have maybe some qualms with that, but not really. Like, uh, especially if you're talking about like my room, you know, mm-hmm. like definitely, it's not not the most orderly. I would like it to be more orderly, mm. but it's uh, it's pretty disorderly. Yep, yep. I'm just remembering images of your room from various points in time and you know yeah clothes everywhere clothes everywhere time. Yeah. yeah I seem to remember a box filled with money and change uh, and then yeah, also the floor covered in change 
where you threw yeah, yeah. where you threw them into the box and you missed most of the yeah that happens sometimes. <laughs> Do you ever vacuum up quarters? Does that happen? No, no, I pick them up. I I don't vacuum. You don't vacuum. You I don't, don't vacuum. <laughs> no, I, va- I Well, I didn't have a vacuum for a long time, but no. I don't vacuum change it because I don't want to ruin the vacuum. Let me give you an example that just popped in my head when you said the word vacuum about space perseverance about my oh. perseverance that we already said was high and yeah. my and my orderliness that was high when i was a kid uh we already we already said this on the podcast before but we didn't have a lot of money and our vacuum broke and we couldn't afford to buy a new vacuum and it was like it was it was like months before we can get a new vacuum cleaner the whole house was carpeted yeah so i would get just <laughs> <laughs> i would get a, a scrub brush yeah and a dustpan and I would start in like this eight inch, eight inch lines like I'm mowing the grass. And I would use a, a scrub brush into the dustpan, all the dust and stuff from the carpet. Yeah. I would, I would, it would take me like the steps and the upstairs would take me like two hours to do on, on my hands and knees. I did that, man. That's how I did that on, in, in Independence Village. I, I did that with the freaking. Anyway, it seems like a crazy thing. I was a kid. I was like 10 years old. Yeah. And I was trying to make mommy happy. You know, it was like I, I would have done anything to, to get a, you know, a, you know, a pat on the back from, yep. from mommy. Because I was with... From mommy. I was what the French call... Louis incompetent. <clears throat> a mama's boy. Oh. Oh, coffee cup. Fucking French people. That brings us to extroversion. Extroversion. This is going to be interesting because I, I find myself to be more introverted as I get older. Yeah. And uh, that's to the point you brought up earlier. I do think these things change, you know? It's not like you're always going to be exactly where, where we are here. You know, as, yeah. as we get older and we have different life experiences, stuff will change. Yeah. Um, all right, so extroversion is about positive emotion and uh, enthusiasm and assertive approach to the world. Uh, extroverts tend to experience lots of joy and excitement, particularly in social situations. Uh, you know, what, what would you say about that? Not high for myself. Yeah, like going to a party? Like going to a party? Uh, that sounds like an awful time. But what about going to a Green Sky concert? How is that different? Um, Because you're not obligated to talk to people? True, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably it. Loud music, you know? Yeah. It's not conducive to conversation. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Um, yeah. Extroverts are more likely to enjoy being the center of attention. How about that? I don't want to be. I would I, rather you just like not pay attention to me for the most part. You know. What would you say about that for me? Um, I think that you want people to pay attention to you more than I do. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I think that there is a part of me that wants people to pay attention to me. To be honest, I mean, uh, well, like what, we have a podcast. Right. Well, I mean. <laughs> What's the good? What's the good in having something to say if yeah. nobody's listening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I just try not to like beg for people's attention. Not that I'm not saying you do either. No, but, no, no. You no. Know, but the, you, but when I was young, I did like being the center of attention. Yeah. I I don't know. I could probably explore that, but I don't know exactly know why. But I did like it, and uh, then I then I started realizing. That being hump, there was value to being humble, and then it started to go away. Uh, not that it's entirely gone away. There is something, um, like I said, uh, I had to clarify that I wasn't like implicating that you, uh, you know, yeah. are like begging for people's attention. But uh, there's just something about 
those type of people, it's just like repulsive to me. You mm. know, I yeah. just don't oh, yeah. like it. Yep. Oh, I know what you mean. P- people that are always fishing for attention, they're always yeah. they're fishing for compliments. They're they're talking over someone to get the final word it, or man. to get the the spotlight back onto them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking hate that. The podcast has been good for me in that way because I, you have to learn how to have a balanced conversation. Yeah. If you do too much of the talking, um, it starts it starts to kind of come off as a little showy and arrogant and like you know it, erroneous, erroneous, <laughs> erroneous on all charges or all counts. What's that from? Uh, you don't know? Oh, that's uh, Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Erroneous. Okay. All right. Vince Vaughn, who is a libertarian. God bless him. Yep. Vince Vaughn, and I thought, uh, what's-his-face was libertarian, but I'm not so sure anymore. Uh, Penn, uh, Penn, Gillette? Yeah, he's he's a he's a libertarian. He's a kind of a gay libertarian, though. He's a liberal-itarian, I think. Liberal-itarian. Yeah, I like him, though. Penn's a too. smart guy. I saw a show in Vegas. Yeah? Yeah, me, me and my wife went to Vegas uh, for a work trip when we first met, and I, I asked her to go to Vegas with me after, like, two dates. Did he make Teller's penis disappear? Um, I didn't see if he did, um, but that he wasn't part of the act. It wasn't part of the act. That was you get. That's like the secret act, you know. I, <laughs> I was winking at him. I was winking at me. Yeah. Um, I, you know what though? I do have a uh, like a like a four inch by two inch or two and a half inch. <laughs> what? Where are you going with this, Chris? Uh, it's like a metal card that fits in your lapel pocket in your in your coat. Okay, and it's got the Bill of Rights on it. Sweet. And they sold it there as merch. And Penn does this awesome speech where he's like, you know, you, you put this metal this metal card in your in your coat or whatever, and when you're going through the TSA, it's going to set off the alarm, and then you literally have to give the TSA your rights. You have to hand them over, and it's symbolic. Yeah. And I thought that was so great that I bought one immediately, I and never then, carried it anywhere. And then when I got back to the to the hotel room and we were packing up to go home. I was like, "Oh, you better put that in your you better put that in your uh, checked luggage. You don't want to take that. You don't want to take that to the TSA. You pussy. You pussy." That's so funny. That's that's who you're dealing with here, guys. You know Ari Shafir? Yes. Uh, he says that he like yells at the TSA agents. Oh my god! Like like talk shit to them. And I want to do it, man. Like like that's like. I think this personality test is indicating that that is something that I would want to do. It's like, I, when we flew to Florida, I was, I, I felt nothing but animosity towards these fucking losers. Yeah, they're just people. They're just fucking losers. Yeah, they're these fucking losers who've got this like kind of government job. You know, they don't have any kind of special training and security or anything. There's some fucking schlub. They 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 don't know anything, mm-hmm. and they're bossing you around. Mm-hmm. They get to fucking treat you like you're. Yep. Oh man, I'm getting, heat. I'm getting hot under the collar, man. So I agree. Fuck the TSA. I, so this is this is a good this is a good illustration of our personality differences. Yeah. Because I agree with everything you said. Yeah. And this but is you don't want to slap them. Nope. Yeah. This is where my mind goes. Every TSA agent I've ever met, and I travel. I have to travel for work. At least I have in the years past. I've been on lots of planes. Um, those people have a shitty job, and they make no money. Yeah. And I wouldn't want that job. I would rather flip burgers than, than work for the TSA. It does not seem like a good job. And you're dealing with a bunch of people. You got to touch their junk. You know, you got to look at their naked bodies in the machine. Everybody's uncomfortable okay, with the situation. Okay, but talking about the bad parts of the job. All, all of that is bad. <laughs> all of it is bad, man. <laughs> and, uh, and I feel bad for them. Yeah. And, and so that's why I wouldn't. That's why I wouldn't uh, give them a hard time. 
And it's also, it's like some of them are on a power trip, just like you have a security guard on a power trip or a, a guy that used to be in, in uh, Nam. And he wants to get a job. He wants to get a job working for the police force because uh, you know he's that's just the kind of guy he is. Um, I lost my train of thought, man. Point is, they're not a powerful. Uh, they're not a threat to, to to me or to you. It's not like you could, if you wanted to get mouthy with a cop with a taser on his on his belt and a gun on on the other hip. That's that's one thing. But a TSA agent to me, it's like that's the burger flipper of secure of of, of the you know national security um, system. Yeah, but they still get to, like, boss me around for no reason. Did so. you feel bossed around? Oh, yeah. Were they, like, nasty about it? Or were they just like, take off your shoes? I wouldn't <laughs> say that they were nasty about it, but there's just this uh, <clears throat> this air of, like, you're going to do what I'm telling you to well, do. Well, you are. And that's what pisses you off. It's not them that piss you off. It's what It's what they represent that pisses you off. You know? The, that, that those rules are there and that you have to comply. That's what pisses you off, man. You're like while you're it's taking off your shoes, too, you're grumbling like like uh, uh, God. I can't think of the, the Christmas Carol. What's his name? Um, I don't know. The, the fucking Ebenezer. Ebenezer Scrooge. Thank you. Yeah. Kyle's taking his shoes off, grumbling like Scrooge. Like, like tell me to take my shoes off. I fucking shove the shoe up your ass. You yeah, fucking prick. Yeah. Taking it off the whole time. You know. Yeah. yeah. Fuck him. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. All right, where we where we leave off? Um, I don't know. Extroversion. Where do you think I score? So you know what an introvert is. You know what an extrovert is. You know me. What do you, where do you think average I score? To, uh, to average to above average. Okay. And how how would I do? Uh, I would say Kyle is um, below average extroversion, but I'm not going to say you're low. Yeah. Well, I am low. So. <laughs> I'm 47th percentile, which is average. How about you? 47th is average? It's, well, it's, that's lower than I would have expected for you. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I would have expected you more towards the higher end of average. I'm on the lower end of average, really. Yeah. Uh, my score puts me uh, in the 18th percentile Not for extroversion. Do you guys see the trend here? Uh, Chris, so far I've been high in everything, more or less, or average, and you've been low in everything. Yeah. And so our personalities couldn't be more different so far. And yet we're best friends, yeah. have been so for our whole lives, and we complement each other well, and none of this stuff has ever caused any tension between us. Yeah, true. I definitely think there are times in my life where these numbers would have been different. Me too. Um, but maybe not drastically, to be honest with you. I think just some things would have been up and other things... You know, yeah, a little down. You, you become harder as you get older, and I'm sure that's the case for you, just like it is for me. But it, it's made a bigger difference in my personality than, than than yours, I think. Yeah. All right. All right. Low and extroversion. All right. Let's skip down to people who are low and extroversion, also known as introverts. That's just that's just funny to me. Enthusiasm. This is one of those things associated with it, uh, and it says it's a measure of a person's motivation to affiliate with other people. That's interesting. Their tendency to show their positive emotion and whether they seek uh, <laughs> stimulation and excitement. So people this who are one. people who are high in enthusiasm are excitable, happy, and bubbly. Well, I don't think that's true for either of us, but probably more for me than for you. It says they laugh and smile more than others. I don't think that's true for either of us. <laughs> and people find. Uh, them communicative and easy to know. I mean, I guess. Sure. Um, okay. What? How, how do you rate yourself as far as that goes? What, what do you think? 
Or how do you, or how do you rate know, me? Because I'm looking at it. All right. Where, what's, what's your score? My score is very low. <laughs> very low in enthusiasm. Like pretty much as low as possible, apparently. Your score puts you at the first percentile for enthusiasm. If you were Whoa. one of 100 people in a room, you would be lower in enthusiasm than 98 of them and higher in enthusiasm than one. Do you, when you have an orgasm, are you perfectly silent? I'm just like, just don't even react. Eh, you know, it's like, well, I don't, you know. God, that's, that's interesting, man. I'm 53rd percent, so I'm still right in the middle in terms of enthusiasm. Yeah. You're very low. Jesus, man. Uh, very low. All right. Assertiveness. This is, this is good too. Assertiveness. Skip down there. Assertiveness is, the, is um, a measure of a person's motivation to put their ideas forward, influence others, and achieve social status. Well, I guess, I guess that's kind of the podcast for us. I don't know that we care much about the social status, but the rest of it is uh, applicable. I don't understand what... I, I have a little bit of confusion about what the difference is between industriousness and assertiveness. Working hard or being motivated. I guess it's, oh no, motivated to put their ideas forward. So influencing others. So it's hard work versus the desire to rub off on somebody, the, oh, desi- okay. the desire for your ideas to prevail or okay, to spread them and share them. I guess that makes sense. It says people who are high in assertiveness tend to advance their own opinions, communicate uh, in a captivating manner, and to climb in, in leadership roles within their community. Uh, they're more prone to acting impulsively. Do you, are you feel impulsive? Yeah, I feel very impulsive. <laughs> feel very impulsive. All right, well, let's take a look. How did you score in assertiveness? I am finally high in something. Uh, I'm high in assertiveness. Okay, okay. 73rd percentile. Okay. So high in, dis- high in disagreeableness and high in assertiveness. That, it's, a, it's an interesting mix. Like, fuck you. Fuck you. This is how it's going to be. Yeah. Um, uh, what would you guess I am in assertiveness? Don't, don't, don't look at the number. Guess, man. What? I said guess. Where would you guess I am? I would guess that you are probably, I would say, like 60. 41. 41. 41st percentile. Right. So it says I'm average, but maybe a little bit on the low side of average. Um, okay. I want to get Assertiveness. To, ooh, neuroticism. This sounds, sounds like the bad one. No, right. It does sound like the bad one. I'm sure it's not entirely bad. This one is... Uh, okay, associated with a person's propensity towards negative emotion versus emotional stability. So you feel more negatively, you know, negative emotion and less stable. Uh, simply put, neuroticism is a measure of your sensitivity to negative emotions such as pain, guilt, shame, sadness, irritability, uh, defensive anger, fear, and anxiety. Defensive anger is an interesting thing because it's like a last resort. When people get angry, that's like, you know, they don't have, they don't have anything left. Yeah. They go right to anger. Do you feel like that way that you're that you you know you get angry as a defense mechanism? Uh, I remember maybe when I was younger, and I don't know, maybe I, I could maybe see it. Not in a lot. It's been a long time, but yeah, I could see that myself when I was younger for sure. Yep. Um, but I, I, I struggled I with some of that. I would have guessed that I would have scored higher on this than I did. Okay. Well, well, and you know what? Because the like sadness, irritability, and anxiety are all in there, mm-hmm. and all of that to me sounds like depression. Yeah. And as far as between the two of us, who's more prone to depression? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I, I think it's you, but I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know by what degree. Yeah. You know. 
Um, so how did you how did you score? Typical to average as uh, a 69th percentile. So like kind of up there towards the higher end okay. of average, but average. I'm 26th percentile. Low in, low in neuroticism. That, that means I tend to have a stable emotional state. I think that's probably pretty true. I, I've been I've been having bouts of depression recently, and it's it's really been like sh- shaking me up a little bit because I never really I experienced much of it before. Like whenever I've been sad, um, as you know, in my younger y- years, I had a reason to be sad, you know. And um, lately, I'll have days where I like. Hey, I got no motivation, man. Like, oh, yeah. I'm awake. I'm alive. But I don't want to do shit. I don't even want to do shit I like. Yeah. And th- when that first time that happened to me, I was like, what is going on? I can't bring myself to do something, even something I like. I don't even want to enjoy myself right now. I just want to be a lump of shit. Just be a lump of shit. So I've had those moments. And, you know, it's like I feel like I, I, I don't fully wake up. Like I'm not even fully wake woke up woken up and I don't have any motivation and uh, and I, I tr- sometimes I try to push through that and it's like f- pushes back it's like you know you, I just got to wait for it to go away yeah. I don't care for it I've had like a handful of days like that recently yeah it uh, sucks man yeah I could ask myself why but then we'd have to then we'd have to try to figure out why and that sounds like hard work want to have a therapy session you mm. got this couch back here I do you have, have this a, couch. you can have a lay down. I'll do it. I'll put on some glasses and a white coat. I'll do it if you speak with a German accent. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. I, uh, that's about all I got. All right, so let's skip. I want to get to Fluffig the... Fluffig Nugan. Ooh, withdrawal. <laughs> this is related, Kyle. Withdrawal. Withdrawal. Withdrawal just says... So like drugs? Like drugs? Oh, maybe. This says a measure of a person's tendency to experience negative emotions. We already talked about this. What's your score? Uh, typical or average. Okay, so same. Mine's 62nd. Mine's 41st. So we're a little closer on that one. Yep. And then that brings us to volatility. Volatility. Which is also related. It says it's a measure of a person's mood stability, irritability, and your ability to regulate your mood and your emotion. Um, What does it say about you? Chelsea would would agree with this. I am high in volatility. What's your... 72nd percentile so low end of high if you flip those numbers around you're gonna get my volatility 27 no i'm 17 i'm 70 72 yeah so if you flip the numbers around it would be 27 oh you're right math (laughs) is stupid bastard math is hard 71 okay so i'm 17th percentile i'm low um we already talked about that it's not interesting let's keep going Openness. Oh, yeah. Openness. So this is the... Openness to experience. That's interesting. So before we even read it, I can tell you this, that there are certain types of experiences that are scary. Threesomes. Yeah, threesomes would be one. Um, Scary, dude. For the first time. Yeah. Yeah. After that, it gets easier. You think so? I couldn't tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not the person to ask, man. All right, I couldn't tell you. Um, Someone get back to us. Our threesome scary. Somebody who's had one, let us know. Um, maybe, I, maybe I should. Never mind. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe I should ask my wife. Um, hey. hey um, All right. Okay. So um, openness, openness to experience. So I wanted to say there are some experiences that are scary, like the experience of pain, and I found myself in and and anxiety. Like panic attacks, like that kind of thing. I found myself lately trying to avoid like 
pulling back from those experiences. Just leaning into it. Leaning into them. And I sit there and like experience the pain. I had this I had this instance of like pinch your nipples. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not I'm not one of those guys either. Um sorry. <laughs> I had one of these experiences um where I was having like kind of like a panic attack. Or I felt like I was having a panic attack coming on. I never had one, but I felt like, oh, this is what people mean when they talk about panic attacks. And I was building and I started to get a little scared, like, oh, I might I might I might be experiencing something that I've never experienced before that's supposed to be bad. And I just had this like peaceful calm come over me and I'm like, experience it. Don't like freak out. Just notice it and experience what it's like. So then I'm sitting there and like my heart's racing, my 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 palms are a little clammy. I'm feeling I'm feeling like some desperation and some like, what is this? What is this? I don't know what it is. It's and then it was fear, right? And I just sat back and I kind of took a deep breath and I'm just like, oh, you're afraid. Oh, you think you think your your heart racing is 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 going to give is going to lead to a heart attack. That uh, so it was like all of a sudden I was more preoccupied with my thoughts about the experience that all the fear and anxiety went away and then the symptoms went away. Oh, nice. So openness to experience is something that I think I've probably uh, my score probably has been improving. You know, like. In my older age, this is something that that I'm starting to even be curious about experiences that are that are that you would otherwise avoid. I would say that that's I mean, even in terms of like food for you, Ooh, you know, yeah, you know that experience. You're uh, much more open to food experiences. Yeah, I used to be super picky. Yeah. Me and your brother, the the pickiest eaters he ever. Is. He still is. Yeah. Yesterday, I had uh, I had. Um, Tuna, uh, ceviche, uh, not ceviche, uh, tuna, um, it's not raw, it's, uh, it's, it's not cooked, but it's like, I'm trying, what the hell is it? It's, it's like ceviche. Um, so I had some of that as an appetizer. Uh, poke. Poke. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I had some of that as an appetizer. That's something I never, I w- it would have made me gag even to think about it when I was a kid. And I, you know, sit down and eat a big salad with all kinds of crazy vegetables in it that, uh, you know, delicious. I never would have eaten as a kid. And they are delicious. You're right. So all that stuff's changed. All right, openness. All right, openness is associated with creativity, artistic interest, and intelligence. Now, isn't that interesting? Creativity and intelligence are under one umbrella here, and this is the one I want to take issue with because this is the one I didn't score well on. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm done with Jordan Peterson. (laughs) So when I think of intellect, I think of like. A sort of mechanical type of thinking, like an efficient type of thinking. Like you imagine, like like a like a autistic savant, and you could say, you know, what's the square root of some big number, and they'll just tell you, or you give them like a, a word problem, and they'll just give you the answer. Like somebody who can think efficiently and in, in an impressive speed and an impressive way. Somebody who, you know, somebody like that. That's what comes to mind, and that doesn't seem like a creative person to me. You know. Like a super smart person does not seem like a creative person to me. It seems like an accountant. It seems like a like a very dry person, not a creative person. Does Isaac Newton seem like a creative person to you? I don't know enough about Isaac Newton, but I but I'm I mean I, I'm thinking about like Einstein and with his crazy hair, and physics is interesting because it's kind of an art and kind of a science. Yeah. So it could be creative and and you know require high intellect. But I don't know that I think those things are related. Like, there was this kid I went to school with who was kind of autistic. I think today you would call him autistic. Back then, 
we, we didn't know. He's a fucking weirdo. But he was normal enough to be in regular classes. Got it. And he was, shout out to Corey. He was, he was awesome. Um, he would scribble holding his pencil like a, like, like a monkey. You, you, you never seen anybody hold a pencil the way he did. And he would scribble on, on the paper fast, you know, back and forth. Like if I were doing that, it would be nothing but scribbles like a toddler. And when he was done, he would have the most crazy good art you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. It was amazing. It was like all of the scribbling was filling in the, the background. And what was left was the picture. It was like a way of thinking that seeing him do it, it's like I can't even relate to it. There's some magic going on behind in the cogs and wheels and that, behind that guy's eyeballs that I cannot agree with. But beyond that, he wasn't a smart guy, not particularly. So I, I don't know that I, I, I think creativity and intellect should be in the same category. I don't know that I agree with that. What do you think? I think that... Uh, Genius and creativity, maybe. But intellect and creativity, I don't, think, I don't know. I don't know either, but I don't have as hard of a time seeing it. Um, I think that the people who innovate and drive society forward tend to be more intellectual people, you know? I think they tend to be creative people. Like a Steve Jobs... Very creative. The people that come up with revolutionary ideas are creative because they're thinking in a different way. Yeah, and they're correlated. You're, and so they're correlated. You're saying they're not. I'm saying I don't think those people necessarily have high IQs. Creative people. Creative people. I'm not saying that they're exclusive, mutually do, exclusive. Do but you think that Steve Jobs had a high IQ? Probably. Probably. I think Einstein did too, and he was artistic to come up with a theory of gravity like he did, you know, a completely novel way of going about it. So you're you're starting to convince me. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of an example of somebody who's creative and dumb, or somebody who's in- intelligent and not creative. Um, I mean, you, there's lots of conservative people. There's lots of CEOs that aren't creative that run businesses to the ground that are very smart people with with you know Ivy League degrees. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're not creative, they don't change. True. You know, they're very smart, but they're not creative. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's read it then, because this is the one I want to I want to pick. Openness at. to experience. Openness to experience is a measure of a person's interest in novelty, art, literature, abstract thinking, and philosophy. Now, would you say that I'm a person that enjoys abstract thinking and philosophy? No, not really. No, yeah, I'm just joking. How many people do you know? that you personally know that you would say are in, are interested in abstract thinking and philosophy more than me? Nobody more than you. Okay. So if you had to guess, you would say that's I would probably be high in this, right? I would guess, yeah. I would too. Um, okay. So it says here, um, it's it, openness is a measure of a person's interest in novelty, art, literature, abstract thinking, and philosophy, as well as their sensitivity to aesthetic emotions and beauty. Research shows that open, openness is fairly assortative, whatever that means. Oh, which means the couples tend to align on this dimension of personality. So if your romantic partner's probably about as open as you are, is what they're saying. So how did you score an openness? 83rd percentile, high. High in openness. High in openness. I scored 53rd. 53rd. Average. But it gets worse. It gets worse. Yeah. Let's, let's scroll down to... Intellect. Intellect. Yeah. 
right? It's okay. a, it says it measures a person's interest in ideas and abstract concepts. So like my obsession with the abstract concept, the most abstract concept, it's called God. It's the most abstract concept there is. Would you, is it safe to say that I am borderline obsessed with that idea? Um, yeah, you talk about it a lot. I've been playing with that idea since I was a child. Yeah. Okay? So this measures a person's interest in abstract ideas. It says people who are higher in intellect tend to be curious, verbally adept, have a rich vocabulary, and are interested in learning. Would you say that that's pretty pretty spot on for me? Yeah. I tend to agree. I really enjoy writing. I I think I have a skill with it. I think you do as well. Um, I speak for a living, so my my verbally adept seems appropriate. An interest in learning, I mean, I I love school more than anybody I know. I would still be in school right now if I could afford it and thought it was meaningful. Okay, so here we go. Importantly, um, this... Uh, the personality aspect of intellect is not the same as IQ, so they make that point. How do you score in uh, in this uh, in intellect? Intellect uh, high, seventy eighth percentile for intellect. I scored forty seventh. I'm I'm average, exactly average. It's weird, so man. so then I'm asking myself, am I? You know the way that the way that the question is phrased in my head is exactly opposite of what Jordan told me to do. He said, "Hey, this is not the same as IQ." But I say, "Okay, forty seventh percent means if I'm in a room full of a hundred people, more than half of them are smarter than me." And then I ask myself, "Do you think that's the case?" And part of me is like, "Fuck no! People are so dumb by and large." And then another part of me is like, "That's shameful and arrogant, and you have to be cautious about that." You always say maniacal arrogance. Is that happening to you right now? I'm like, maybe. Maybe I'm average fucking smart. Maybe I'm average. Yeah. Well, I don't think you're average smart. Like, if, I, if, I, if I'm out with you, I would assume that you are one of the smarter people in the room, for sure. So I wouldn't go so far measuring myself, but, like, and, and I do have, there's a, a humbleness there that, you know, I don't know if it's accurate or not. Um, but I would say if I'm in a room full of 100 people, I would, I would guess I'm 60 Percent, I'm you know I'm smarter than more than half. I would think more than half. Yeah. Just in my interactions with people, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm astronomically smarter than the average person. But a little bit. And this test is telling me no, you're not. In fact, you're a little dumber than the average person. <laughs> just a tick. But and then all of a sudden, like my my my, uh, my hero Jordan Peterson, I'm like you. I'm not so sure this guy is as smart as he thinks he is. <laughs> postmodernist now. Yeah, I'm a postmodernist now. <laughs> Jordan, you designed this test. It's flawed. Okay. Then it says that my partner is high in intellect. Okay, well. Good for you. Good for you, buddy. <laughs> All right, let's just skip to openness. Uh, how did you score in openness? Also high, 80, 80th percentile. So I'm 57th. I'm, but they're calling me average, but 57th is a little bit higher than average yeah. there. couple of ticks. So interesting. That's it, man. That's the personality test. Openness. What were your thoughts? How do you compare this quote-unquote scientific approach to a horoscope type of approach um i think that this is more scientific because you are like comparing the answers of multiple like lots of people exactly. so you have that but i i just think it's a, honestly i do just think it's maybe a, a little bit more well uh Maybe significantly more. Well, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with it. It's significantly more, but I don't think it's as meaningful as a lot of people put into it. To yeah. be honest with you, I, I think, think that people think that they give you some kind of like 
I don't know, deep, inescapable truth about mm-hmm. yourself. And I don't think that's true, to be honest but, with yeah. you. Yeah, I would say that it's not detailed enough to be that level of accurate, mm-hmm. you know. But I also think that maybe it could be more detailed. Yeah. But the thing is, you know how we, there was like five categories, but each category had subcategories. You know what I mean? Like this is this is all, uh, you know, related to this category. Um, I think there's a, like a balance between making something like that digestible. So you can't you can't divide it up forever. Yeah. You know, you can't have a thousand subcategories. Um and uh, and making it detailed enough to be meaningful, so it's sort of somewhere in the middle, so that it's useful. And uh, you know, if, if 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 there was like a thousand subcategories, you know, it, it, how meaningful is that? You couldn't you can you couldn't make take anything meaningful out of it. You need to be a supercomputer to make sense of it. Yep. So there's something like that going on. I also think that um, I wonder how different the scores would be. Like you know, the way I did it was I took the. I took the quiz myself. I answered all the questions. I wonder what it would be like if um, somebody watched you and how you behaved for like 30 years and then answered it for oh, you. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Or if 30 people watched you and all of them took it and then they and then they could see how those people's opinions differed having all all watched you over those years. That yeah. would be, that would be interesting because I bet you they would all be different. I bet you you're nicer to yourself, you know. Like, you give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Although, obviously not much, because I fucking don't think I would have been, what, first percentile and fifth percentile. Yep. You know? Kyle, my friend. So? Do you have anything else? Not really. So I got something. You you asked me a question on the podcast last time we got together that I couldn't answer very well. Because, for a couple reasons. Remember, we were ta- we were getting into that hippy-dippy conversation that I love so much about the nature of God. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, God is one, and everybody's God, and that means you're God, and all that stuff. And you're like, well, how, you know, if you're putting all this emphasis on God being one, then how can God be one, but also many? Like, how can we be individuals and, and all also be one with God? And there's like, it, it, it's a paradox, and that's what I said. And it's not a good explanation. And then I was listening to... Um, an episode of Jordan Peterson's podcast where they were recapping um, in different interviews he did on the subject of God. And this guy that he talks to nails it, and I wanted to play it for you. So okay. you, you can get the answer. You, I, I want to know if you what you pick up from this and if it answers your question. Well, so let's see if we can do that. What's this fellow's name? That's a good question. Mark. I'd have to rewind it to tell you. So Flamboba Jack. Just listen. Mark Flambovacek. All right, here it goes. ...that values are part of the structure of being, like, where does that find its limit? Because the, the classic limit of that is something like, a, is, in, in fact, the definition of the utmost place of value in some sense is almost indistinguishable from the claim that there is a God. And so... Well, it, a god is not the same as an engineering god. And I, I take enormous pains in the book. It costs me more than anything I've ever written to write the chapter called The Sense of the Sacred, in which I try to help people to a place where they can understand why people use this extraordinarily difficult word, God. You know, it's not a satisfactory term, but it's the term we have to have to name an aspect of our experience that if we don't name it, disappears from our lives and that's not to say that there is all right i stopped that for just a second because that's the first thing that's really awesome it's like god is a is a term that we can't dispense with 
even though people have all sorts of good arguments to say God doesn't exist. We can't get rid of it because it represents a part of our experience that's real. And if we stop using the word God, if we let that idea fall out of our vocabulary, that we will have lost like recognition of a part of our experience that is, that, that is legitimate. And we call it God. And, if, and, and again, if, if we suddenly stopped using that word and that idea faded away, it would still be there, but it would be invisible to us. Mm-hmm. You know, this is part of our experience, the spiritual part of our lives. So hold on, let's keep going before we talk about it. Something there that is, that merits whatever we mean when we say divine. I mean, we, we, haven't, defined, we haven't defined what we mean by divine. And we're back in the nets of language. We're trapped in the nets of language, as Schelling said. But what I'm suggesting is that, as Whitehead suggested, and come on, Whitehead was also the co-author with Russell of the Principia Mathematica. He wasn't um, a, a fantasist. He had this, I think, incredibly deep idea that whatever one likes to call the divinity, God, whatever, is the thing that the cosmos has relation with. Relation is at the core of being. I even argue that relation is prior to the relata, prior to the things that are related. That sounds nonsense. How can you relate? How can you have a relation if there isn't anything yet to relate? But there's a wonderful image called, um, in Indian mythology, called Indra's net, which covers the universe. And in it, the idea is that the filaments of the net exist before the net, before the crossing points, which are the things we see. And on those crossing points, there are little gems which reflect every other gem in the net. Now that's a, that would take a very long time to unpack, but perhaps it can set things going in people's minds. But the idea I a have... A gesture is, to the right hemisphere. <laughs> ...is that relation is prior to anything at all, really. And that, therefore, the, the, whatever we mean by God and whatever we mean by the cosmos are in some sort of dynamic relation, which is an evolving one, in which the outcome is excitingly not known. If it were known, it would all be some horrible, possibly sadistic um, play uh, by an almighty, all-knowing God. I mean, then, look, I'm going to be talking to Rowan Williams shortly, but <laughs> I don't want to go, go, go into all that I mean by that. I don't think God is omniscient and omnipotent, omnipotent, but I don't think he's not either. Just in the same way, I don't think he's green, and I don't think he's not green. I think the terms are wrong, uh, but, you know, we can go there if we want and later or another day. But the thing, what I'm, what I'm really saying is that these that God is discovering, becoming, unfulfilling whatever God is through the relationship which classically in most religions is described as love, which is after all just a, a, like a form of gravity in, in the world of, of life and emotion rather than just in the world of, of, of um, the, the so-called inanimate. Um, so that, that therefore we are coming into being God is coming into being, and we're necessary to one another's coming into being. It's not that God does a bit to us, and then we do a bit back to God. It's like, I've read a very good book, I keep mentioning it, by a young microbiologist in America called Kriti Sharma, called Interdependence. And she argues very importantly that it's not just that, um, uh, certainly it's not just that an animal or an organism molds its environment, nor is it just good enough to recognize that while an animal um, affects and shapes its environment, the environment shapes the, the animal or the organism. But that 
this is not a, you know, turn by turn process. It's not that the animal shapes the environment, which would then uh, in its turn shapes the, the animal. It's a, an entirely simultaneous process of coming into being, of co-creation, if you like. It's a, it's a simultaneous coming into being, a co-creation, if you like. He's talking about the cosmos and God, that those things come into being together, that what they are is actually an interrelation, that they don't exist without the other, that, that all that really exists is the interrelation. And that's how something can be one and many at the same time. And I know that's as clear as mud, and that guy's accent was amazing. Um, Good accent, for sure. But what did that sound like to you? Did that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, I can see, explained that way, I can see, illustrated, you know, it makes a little bit more sense. He doesn't doesn't look convinced. (laughs) So, (laughs) all right, so I wrote down some things. So when he says it's it's a relation, what he means is that uh, it's a that reality is a relation between God and itself, between consciousness and itself. That's how I would put it. I would say it's it's self consciousness. It's consciousness experience of itself, and what being is, what all, what creation is, is the relationship between them. It's the experience that God is having. And I always say that on my solo podcasts, we are the experience God is having. Of what? Of himself. That's what self-consciousness is. And being is, is emergent from that experience. So it's the, it's, the, it's the relationship between consciousness. It's the experience that's, that's, what, that's what being is. We, this is all the experience God is having. Um, and he talks about this lady, this biologist, and he uses this example that I've thought of a million times that illustrates it pretty well. He's like, when you have an animal living in an environment, the environment, the the animal will adapt to the environment, right? So that it can better exist in that environment. If it's a snowy environment, then the little brown bunny becomes a white bunny over time, right? Uh, So the environment shapes the bunny. But the bunny's digging burrows all through the environment. And that changes what that changes the nutrient levels in the soil, and it changes what, what vegetation can grow up there. And suddenly, having that bunny in the environment is changing the environment. So what's happening here is the environment's changing the bunny, and the bunny's changing the environment, and it's a cycle between the two that never ends. And the bunny isn't what the bunny is, and the environment isn't what the environment is without one another. Do you understand? Yeah. So that's what God and the cosmos are like. Okay. God, God, the cosmos is adapted to God, and God changes the cosmos. So as the cosmos adapts, and God continues to change it, the cosmos readapts, and God continues to change it, and the cosmos readapts. And it's the same process that we just described with the bunny and its environment. That's the relationship between God and the cosmos and the material reality, something like that. And he, he makes a great point. He says the reason that's so cool is because even God doesn't know where it's going. Right, so it's like, it's like uh, that that thing uh, Joe Rogan always says about jujitsu. Uh, that quote, uh, one of the Gracies says, "You do this, I do that. You do this, I do that, forever." That's what jujitsu is. That's how he describes it. That's the relationship between God and the cosmos. Okay. God does this, the cosmos does that. God does this, the cosmos does that, forever. So even God doesn't know what the future holds. Something like that. It's just it's. I tried to explain this to Josh Hamilton the other day when I said I think about God like a process, not not like a 
not like an anthropomorphic being, but like a process. And what that process is, apparently, is jujitsu, Kyle. Something like jujitsu. Existence is jujitsu? Existence is jujitsu between God and the cosmos. Another, another thing I wanted to say about this was uh, this thing about God and the cosmos coming into being together, because that's, that's what he just described. He said it's not like God made the, the cosmos. It's not like the Bible says. God didn't snap his fingers and poof at things into being. God came into being when the cosmos came into being. They exist as a continuum. There's, there's no one without the other. There's no first. It's like a chicken and the egg scenario. Jordan Peterson talks about this with Jean Piaget in a way that kind of blew my mind before I ever heard this guy, whoever, whoever his name is, and I apologize for not knowing that information, but he's very British, that guy. Super British. And he sounds elderly, and he sounds like he's wearing a tweed coat and has a pipe in his mouth. Yeah. He sounds like Sherlock Holmes, but overweight. You know, I, I pictured him as overweight. Probably. All right, in any case, John Piaget says this. He says that subject and object come into being together. So when he's studying children and their experience, that's what he says. It's not like one comes before the other. Um, they, cut, they come into being together. Your experience of the world and your experience of yourself come into being together. And that's what he learned when he studied children and their development. And that's exactly what this, what this guy was describing. Like I try to describe and don't have the words to about how God and the cosmos come into being together. What do you think of that, man? I don't know what to think about that. That's uh, pretty crazy. Um, John Piaget. That's uh, that's a dude Peterson talks about yep. all the time, the, right? He's development. a developmental. Yep. That's yeah. the guy. That's the guy. And the other thing that guy said in that interview, he said that that what that that relationship, that inner relation that he was describing, he said what that is is God fulfilling himself or itself. God be, God, fulfilling what it is to be God, which is a hard thing to understand, but he's, but he's saying that he's, he's fulfilling what he is through experience. So whatever God is is something like experience. And in order to be God, there must be experience. And, and in order to experience anything, one must be many. One can experience anything. There's only one. One must become many in order to experience itself. That's the inner relationship that I'm trying to describe. Is that, blow, okay. is that blowing your mind or losing you? No, it's not losing me. Um, I feel like the Highlander would have something to say about this. <laughs> there can be only one. <laughs> and that's all we've got for you today, guys. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.